As always, it's always a pleasure to be here uh, this morning to worship with you. Glad my wife could join me this morning. Her name is Deidre, in case you guys were interested. Um, I wasn't supposed to be here this week. Uh, I was supposed to be away at sea, but uh, fortunately, well, unfortunately for the ship, you know, our ship is not ready. There's some mechanical errors, and so... And actually, I actually had turned down some other opportunities because I didn't think uh, I was still going to be at sea. So it is definitely uh, God providentially works in all things and definitely glad to be here. Um, I want to give a shout out to Connie. Connie gave me a whole bunch of food, uh, candy and cookies uh, last uh, last time. And I was asking my wife, what am I going to do with all this? So I gave it to the sailors and the sailors, if you watch hyenas eat food, other than but I was I, I I was a big man on campus that day, and I was wondering should I give Connie credit or should I just keep it for myself? But I did I did give credit. So the moral of the story is, if you got snacks to give me, I'll give it to the sailor herself. Thank you. All right, enough of that. All right. Well, let's turn to uh, Genesis 19, and we will read the whole chapter. Genesis 19. If you can't find Genesis, I'm going to pray for you. All right. <laughs> All right. All right, Genesis 19, and we read the whole chapter. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the earth and said, My lords, please turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise up early and go on your way. They said, no, we will spend the night in the town square. But you pressed them strongly, so they turned aside to him and entered his house. And he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people of the last man, surrounded the house, and they called to Lot. Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them. Lot went out to the men at the entrance, shut the door after him, and said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you and do to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. But they said, Stand back. And they said, This fellow came to sojourn and he has become the judge now we will deal worse with you than with them then the oppressed art against the man lot and drew near to break the door down but the men reached out their hands and brought lot into the house with them and shut the door and they struck with blindness the men who were at the entrance of the house both small and great so that they wore themselves out groping for the door then the men said to lot have you Anyone else here, sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone you have in this city, bring them out of the place. For we are about to destroy this place because the outcry against his people have become great before the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and said to the sons-in-law who were to marry his daughters, Up, get out of this place, for the Lord is about to destroy the city. But he seemed to his sons-in-law to be justin. As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, 
lest she be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he lingered till the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city. And as they brought them out, one said, Escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. And Lot said to them, Oh, no, my lords. Behold, your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have shown me your great kindness in saving my life. But I cannot escape to the hills, lest the disaster overtake me and I die. Behold, this city is near enough to flee to, and is a little one. Let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my life will be saved. He said to him, Behold, I grant you this favor also, that I will not overthrow this city of which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I could do nothing till you arrived there. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah, sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew these cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the city and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. And he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the valley. And he looked up and behold, the smoke of the land went up like the smoke of a furnace. So it was that when God destroyed the cities of the valley, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had lived. Now Lot went up out of Zor and lived in the hills with his two daughters, for he was afraid to live in Zor. So he lived in the cave with his two daughters. And the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man on earth to come to us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve offspring from our father. So they made their father drink wine that night. And the firstborn went in and lay with her father. He did not know when she lay down or when she arose. The next day, the firstborn said to the younger, Behold, I lay Last night with my father, let us make him drink wine tonight also, that you may go in and lie with him, that we may preserve offspring from our father. So they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. Thus both the daughters of Lot became pregnant by their father. The firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab. He is the father of the Moabites to this day. The younger also bore a son, calling his name Ben Ammoni, he is the father of the Ammonites to this day. May the Lord add a blessing to his holy word. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we, we do thank you for this opportunity that you've given us to look at your word. Lord, help us to look at your word soberly. Help us to hear what you have to tell us. Help us to learn from the examples that are set before us today. Realizing, Lord, that, uh, that the things that Lot was dealing with the things that we deal with today as well. So, Lord, rest our attention in our mind. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today, that your people might not see me, but they would see you. Bless us during this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, indeed, this is a long portion of Scripture. Obviously, I can't go necessarily verse from verse for, for this uh, chapter but we want to highlight some main points from it. Just a quick background about Lot. Uh, if you remember in Genesis chapter 13, uh, when Abraham 
and Lot, uh, they had a disagreement where their herdsmen and their cattle had a disagreement. And uh, Abraham said, we shouldn't disagree. I tell you what, we have so much uh, cattle and so much possessions and properties. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right and vice versa. And Lot looked up and he saw Sodom and Sodom was a place that was well watered. It was a nice land and so on. But it says in Genesis 13 that uh, Sodom was extremely wicked. So Abraham, so Lot chose um, to live in Sodom. In chapter 14, we see that uh, Abraham had to rescue Lot because the Sodom, because the city of Sodom was taken in battle, and Abraham had 318 of his trained men come and to rescue Lot. And now um, that leads up to well Genesis 18 when. Um, uh, the pre-incarnate son of God and the two angels came and, and Abraham has this discussion with, uh, with, uh, with these angels where God, or a lot asked, um, excuse me, Abraham asked, would you destroy this nation for 50 people, 40 people, 30, 20, and so on. And so that leads us to uh, Genesis 19. And so now let us look at this chapter. The first thing we see is Lot's house was assaulted. Lot's house was assaulted. Notice, first of all, the wickedness of Sodom. When we see Lot sitting in the gate of Sodom, that word sitting in the gate normally means uh, like Lot was some type of judge. Maybe he held a position where he was like a judge or a lawgiver there. Uh, but he also was a righteous man. We must also remember that Lot was a righteous man. And Lot uh, provided hospitality, provided food and care for these people like a, a righteous person would do. And when, um, but yet the angels said they wanted to sit out in the square. But Lot said that's not a good idea because he knew the city of Sodom it's like you walking through a bad area, a bad neighborhood. You want to just not dwell there or sit there, but especially at nighttime, you want to get away. So Lot urged these people to come and to join with him. And he gave them a great feast. He provided for them. He took care of them and so on. They're having a good time, it seemed like. And yet what happened was that it says in um, verse uh, four, before they lay down, it says that the whole city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people of the last man surrounded the house. And he says there in verse uh, five, he says, bring these people out, bring the men out that we might know them. Uh, looking at the commentators and so on, uh, they talk about how shameful this act is. Uh, this is obviously um, a homosexual act where they wanted to rape these men and to do uh, wicked things to them. And so we see in the land of Sodom that there was no common grace. Common grace is that's grace that's common to all. Common grace is that grace which makes us decent people, makes us uh, to at least be able to live amongst our brothers and sisters and to be nice people and to be respectful people and so on. None of that was there. And you see there that God 
had given them up to a debased mind. He talks about in Romans 1 that this sin in our day and time, the sin of homosexuality is it's accepted, it's legal, we think it's normal, but God says that it is an abomination and that uh, he gives people up to that sin. In other words, he takes the restraint of protection off. The, the guilty conscience, all those things are gone. And this is what he says about here in Genesis chapter, I mean, Genesis chapter 19. As we look at this, we see that God had given these people up, that there was no shame, there was no um, conscience, there was no decency, no civility. None of that was taking place there. It was a city that was wicked. And it says that young and old, no one there uh, tried to reason with these people. They all were there regarding it. They were all for it, and they were all taking part in this. And so God gives these people up to this sin. And Lot comes out, and he tries to reason with them. He tries to tell them, this is wrong. Don't do this. This is bad. These are my guests. Please do not engage in this type of behavior. But it's interesting when you have a gang or you have, you see these riots on TV like Antifa and these other riots. When people come together, when the wicked come together for gangs, there's no restraint. Maybe there's restraint if there's one or two people there. But when the whole gang is there, it seems like people are trying to outdo one another when wickedness. And you see that it was contagious. And so not only are they uh, seeking to, to destroy them, they didn't listen a lot and they threatened Lot that they'll do a lot worse than they will do to, um, to, the, to the two men. And then Lot makes the worst decision ever when he offers up his two daughters. He says he has two daughters that they can take and do with them what they will. Obviously, Lot was a good man. Maybe he panicked. Maybe it was a lot of stress. Maybe it was so on. But he forgot that he's supposed to protect his daughters and care for his daughters. And he's supposed to help his daughters. And the last thing he do is to expose his daughters to these uh, brutal and, and beastly men who were seeking to um, do terrible things. And so notice what God does to protect them. It says there that he shuts the door on them. Uh, it says there in verse 8, Lot went out to the men to enter and shut the door after them. Excuse me, in verse, um, uh, where is it? Uh, verse 9, he says, stand back. And he said, this fellow come to sojourn. He's become a judge. Now we'll deal worse with them. Then they press hard against the door and to break the door down. But it says there in uh, verse 11 that the Lord struck with blindness the men who were at the entrance of the house. In other words, the angels pull Lot back in the house and to protect Lot and his fellows. And notice that these people were blind. They were struck down. And they were still trying to get to the door. They were still trying to. Uh, destroyed Lot and his family. They were still trying to get there. And this shows you that even when God often afflicts the wicked people, they still, nothing will stop them from their wickedness as they continue to go on. Oftentimes, God puts up roadblocks for sinners and they go right through the roadblocks, not heeding any instructions, not heeding any warning or anything like that. And so that's the first thing we see here is Lot's house is assaulted. The second thing we see here is that Lot is rescued uh, from uh, Sodom. The angels finally tell uh, Lot what their plan 
was, why they're there, what they're going to do, that they're going to destroy the city. And they tell Lot to, if you got family members, if you have brothers, sister-in-law, whoever it is, uh, bring them with you and leave now because we are going to destroy this place. And notice Lot goes to his son-in-laws and he tells them, listen, God's going to destroy this place. And they didn't listen. They thought that he was joking. They thought that he wasn't serious. And it says there that they thought that he was jesting, that, that this was some type of joke, as he says in verse 14. But notice what it says there about Lotto. It says there in verse uh, 16, but he lingered. He lingered. Why would Lot linger? Hey, the angel said, run for your lives. Flee from uh, this city. Get out of Sodom and leave, but Lot lingers. On one hand, we can understand why he would linger. That was his house. That was where he lived. Those were his possessions. That's where he had his farms, his cattle, his flock. He was a rich man. He was about to lose everything. He thought about, this is my life. This is my home. He had been there for many years, perhaps 20 or 30 years. This is all he knew. And now he has to leave. He knows God is ready to destroy, but he's thinking, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my family? They're going to have anything. Suppose God came to you this morning, your reverence tells you to leave your house, leave everything behind, flee for the mountain, get out. You would probably linger too. So well, this is my house. So this is where I, you know, this is where um, I have, we live. We'll be homeless. We won't have anything. We won't have any clothes. We won't have any uh uh, I can't pack a bag. I got to leave now. This is this is everything that I know, everything I am, everything I own. Everything is right here in this house. And you want me to leave uh, and fully? And surely this is why Lot was lingering. He thought about it. And how often do we as Christians, do we linger? Do we linger? When God asks us to do something, when God tells us to, that that's wrong not to do it. When God tells us not to sin and we sort of just say, yeah, that's true. But we reason it in our mind. We rationalize it. We continue to do it. Or God calls us to do something. And what do we do? We linger. We think about it. How many missionaries on the mission field where God says, I want you to go on the mission field. And many of them don't want to do it. How often do we tell God no initially? I know I have no God. I don't want to do that. We linger. We sort of say, yeah, we know it's right, but we rationalize it. We procrastinate. We put it off. We don't do it. You know why? Because we're thinking, if I do that, what am I going to lose? I might lose out on this. I might lose out on this sin. I might lose out on these people. I might lose out on this pleasure and so on. We linger. We think, yeah, God, but you know, I'll do everything except that. I don't want to do that. How often, how tough is it? How often do we fight God in our mind? How often do we try to put it out of our mind and God presses hard against us? As the angels did with Lot here. They told Lot to get out, to flee. He says um, in uh, verse 16, but he lingered so the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters. And he says in verse 17, escape for your life. Do not look back. Or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. The angels of 
given this alarm, sounding the alarm, to be urgent, to run, to get out, to flee now, to leave. And Lot's like, Uncle, I'm going, don't push me. <laughs> I'm leaving. I'm moving. But the angels are hurrying up and telling him. And I think this is, we have a, a great application here for us that God tells us to flee in a sense, to not look back, to not look back to this world, to not look back to Sodom, but to continue to move toward Christ, continue to move toward Christ, keep our steps uh, moving fast, moving rapidly toward heaven, not to flee, not to look back, but to escape. Why? Because God is going to destroy this world one day. And the only hope is in Christ, to flee to Christ, to run to Christ. I know oftentimes you hear on the on podcasts, you hear on the news and stuff, yes, you better flee because our country might be destroyed. You better flee because this might be destroyed. You better go off into the hills or go to a farmland or go into the mountains or go into a bunker because who knows what's going to happen to America. But that's not what God is talking about. He's talking about us to flee, our souls to flee, to not look back, to leave Sodom, to run to Christ, to not look back to our old life, our old ways and so on, lest we be consumed with, the, with everyone else in their sins. That's why he tells us to look forward, to press hard, to press forward to the high calling of the Lord Jesus. That's what the Apostle Paul says. He says, Leaving those things behind, whether good or bad, are pressing forward to the high calling of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have to press forward in this world where there's sin and wickedness and darkness and all these things around. And the world is constantly trying to allure us back in, trying to suck us back in, trying to keep us back in. He tells us to not move back, not go back. It says in Hebrew that God has no pleasure in those who turn back. We cannot turn back, but we must go forward. The angels are telling Lot to run for your life, to flee. But notice what it says there in verse um, uh, 16, 17. He says he lingered at uh, 16, rather. says, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside. The Lord was merciful. The angels actually grabbed, physically grabbed Lot like you would a child, and, and dragged him out and told him to leave, get out. The Lord was merciful to him because Lot didn't want to leave. And sometimes God is merciful to us. Sometimes God sees that we do linger, and he's merciful to us. Sometimes our disappointments, our afflictions, when people let us down, when people hurt us, is God being merciful to us. We can't see it. Maybe we didn't get the job we wanted because God was merciful to us. Maybe the, the family we have or the spouse we have and so on, maybe these things, why? Because God's being merciful to us. Maybe we're being mistreated. We're being treated badly. Maybe things are not going well. It's because God's being merciful to us. Why? Lest we dwell there and stay there. Sometimes God has to push us out. Sometimes that sickness is God being merciful to us? Because we don't know really what's best for us.
but God knows. I, th- I don't know if I told this story. I was in the airport one time, and I was watching this mom and this two-year-old, or maybe she was a year old, and the mom had some Starbucks coffee, and the one-year-old had a sippy cup with juice, and this one-year-old wanted this coffee so badly. She was climbing over her mom. She was had a meltdown. She was screaming. Mom would give her the sippy cup and she would take it and fling it. She was so upset. She was just reaching for this coffee. But mom, who knew much better than her one-year-old, understood that she was not mature enough or able to handle that hot coffee. What would you think if her mom said, you know what, she's crying and screaming, I'm going to go ahead and give her this coffee so she could burn her tongue and her mouth and so on. Perhaps God works like that with us sometimes. Perhaps God puts up the hot stuff from us so that we can't get it. Even though we want it, we think that's what we want, but the Lord is helping us. The Lord is being merciful to us because he realizes how hard it is for us. And so sometimes he grabs us by the hand. Sometimes he helps us. It says in Psalm 23 that he leads us down the pathway of righteousness. That's not always a pathway of ease. That's not always a pathway of comfort. That's not always a pathway of good times. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's difficult. God has ordained afflictions and trials. Why? To help us stay close to him. If it's all good, we'll forget him. If it's all bad, we might become so discouraged that we won't fall. So he mixes the good and the bad. He gives us blessings. He also gives us afflictions. Why? Because he wants us to stay out of Sodom, to keep moving toward heaven. And this is why it says God was merciful to Lot. Lot was thinking about my clothes, my house, my land, my possessions, all of these things, the, the well-watered land, all these great things. That's what I want. That's what I need. But God says, if you stay, you're going to be consumed. You're going to be destroyed. You're going to be burned up. This fire is going to destroy you. Don't you realize that Sodom is about to be destroyed at any minute? So God was merciful to him. And then the third uh, point here is this is that Sodom is destroyed. And God destroys Sodom because of sin, because of their sin, because of their sin, which was so presumptuous. It says there in verse 2, back where it says that, um, excuse me, in verse 4, both young and old, all the people were there. Not 10 righteous people were there. For some, that is the hesitation of Christianity. They'll ask, how could God be so loving? and yet destroy a place like Sodom or have a worldwide flood. That's why I can't be a Christian, because I don't understand. That doesn't seem fair. That doesn't seem just. God is good, but he's also righteous and just as well. Paul talks about the goodness and severity of God. God is so righteous and holy. And so just that he cannot, he cannot turn away from sin. And this sin of Sodom is an example, an exhibition of what God does to those who live in sin. 
It's also an example of what hell will be like as well. And so the city of Sodom was destroyed because God is just and merciful because of his sin, because of their sins. That's why it was destroyed. But then notice Lot's wife, it says there, was turned into a pillar. Lot's wife, we hear a lot about Lot's wife. We don't know her name. Yes, indeed, Lot hesitated, but it looks like Lot's wife, she didn't want to leave because the angel said, don't look back. She looked back. Commentators believe she just stopped and looked back. And she was turned into a pillar of salt. Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. Do not look back because that's what might happen. The same thing might happen. He tells us that not to love this world. Yes, we are in this world. Yes, we enjoy things of the world, but not to be in love with the world, especially, especially when it comes to our obligation to Christ. Christianity is a faith of repentance, turning from sin repeatedly and turning to Christ, forsaking all and going to Christ, moving to Christ, running to Christ, and so on. And Lot's wife turned around and gazed and stopped. And that's why Jesus says to remember her, not to have that same mentality. And then my last point here is Lot's shameful act. Lot's shameful act. We wish that the story could stop there in verse uh, 29. And that's it. You know, it's an interesting thing about the Bible. You read biographies, you read about some of the great uh, people in the biographies. It sort of makes you feel bad. Like these people, they were perfect. They didn't do anything wrong. Everything they did was right. They, they witnessed to thousands of people. They were missionaries. They, they endured hardness. Like, well, I could never be like that. But God often highlights the sin of even the best people. He holds nothing back. Whether it's David, Abraham, and here in Lot, God chose to put this in here. Why would he? Why would he choose that? First of all, as an example, it says in, in 1 Corinthians, that example so that we might realize and follow and so on. When you look at this act, what do we see? First of all, we see this is that even though they left Sodom, a lot of Sodom was still in Lot and his daughters. You would think after what they just saw, that's the last thing that they would want to do. When, you, when we are around wicked people or listening to wicked stuff, or doing those wicked things, it's bound to just rub off on us. You know, at my job, you ever heard that saying, curse like a sailor? Well, that's, that's where I work. Where a curse word is a noun, pronoun, verb, whatever. It is constant. You know, and I find myself, at first it used to bother me, I find myself, it doesn't bother me as much anymore. It, it doesn't, you know why? Because I'm around it all the time. That's all I hear. That's, 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 that's the speech. That's what they, that's where they communicate. That's where they talk, where they're happy, where they're sad, where they're angry, whatever the situation, that's the way they talk. And how often are we affected by the world? Much more than we ever think. Things that we watch on TV 
our forefathers would have blushed. They would have said, what are you watching? What are you looking at? I know I'm guilty of that. And so Lot, even though he was righteous man, because Peter says he was righteous, yet Sodom still impacted and affected him because he was still in uh, the family. But secondly, we also learn the importance of mortification of sin. What does that mean? That means that we have to constantly be on guard. Lot's daughters realized that Lot probably had some type of drinking issue or drinking problem because they got him drunk on two occasions. We have to uh, cut off sin. We have to deny ourselves. We have to mortify our flesh. We have to be careful. We enjoy the liberties that Christ gives us, but we always have to be careful. We always have to be on edge. We always have to watch. If not, the Bible says this is what can happen to us. David, a man after God's own heart, a man who loved God, fell into adultery and murder. We see Noah again, problems with, uh, got drunk. We see over and over again in the Bible, Peter denying the Lord Jesus Christ. These are examples for us that we have to be on guard. If these people could fall, so can we. That we have to be careful with our secret sins, with our sins, our presumptuous sins, and so on. That sin is always around us. Yes, we are happy that uh, we're Christians. And the Bible talks about how we are in union with Christ. We've been crucified. The flesh has been crucified. We have a new spirit and a new heart. Yet, we still have this heart of flesh that is always ready to destroy us. I liken it to the Iraq war. It didn't take us long to go over and to topple Saddam Hussein and his regime. That wasn't a problem. That took a couple of days of that. The problem was the insurgents and how um, uh, at times uh, our soldiers were sabotaged and they were uh, uh, caught in surprise attacks. Well, that's the way sin often operates in the Christian. Yes, the reign of sin is there, but the presence of sin is still there. It's always there, ready to rear its ugly head. It's always there. It's always there. And the Bible warns us, like Lot, to be careful because we are one second away from a sin like this. We might not think we are, but the Bible says, take heed. If you think you stand, lest you fall, to be careful. And so this really ends this tragic story of Lot. You know, but it's, it's interesting that when you look at this, I love what um, it says there in verse 27 and 28, that the Lord remembered Abraham. Abraham was Lot's uh, uncle. And Abraham was surely, surely concerned about his, his nephew. What's he going to be okay because Abraham knew that God was going to destroy it, and he remembered it. God hears the prayers of the righteous. The prayer of the righteous avails much. Who knows? I know in, in um, growing up in the church I had, the church I used to go to, is to say I had a praying mother and a praying grandma who kept me. I believe that God heard the prayers when I was out 
in the world doing crazy things. God hears the prayers, but even more importantly, we have a Savior who prays for us, who ever lives to make intercession for us. And so two quick applications as I'm done. First one is to this. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, as you can see, it's very important that you hide in Christ. He is our only hope. He is our only option to run to him, to flee to Christ. Christ is our only hope. He's our only protection. It is because Lot was rescued because he was a righteous man in Christ. We must know Christ. We must follow him. We must serve him. There's no other way that we can come to God but through the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And what do we say about Sodom? The shameful activities. Jesus talked about Sodom. You know what he said? He said Sodom didn't have a Bible. They didn't have preachers to preach to them. They didn't have podcasts where you could go on sermon audio and listen to all the sermons that you want to. They didn't have a confession of faith. They didn't have any of those things. They didn't have Jesus. They didn't know Jesus. They didn't know anything. They didn't have no one preached to them, it seems like. We you know what Jesus says? If Sodom had saw the works of Jesus, they would have repented a long time ago. If Sodom was sitting here and heard this message, they would have repented and believed. Jesus says, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the judgment than it will be for any of us who have heard the gospel, who believed, who professed, and we are secretly and penitently living in sin, and we are not, and we are resisting the will of God. It will be worse for us than for Sodom. And that's what he told the Jews at that time. You've seen all these miracles and you don't believe? Well, Sodom and Gomorrah will have a better judgment than you will. But the second application is you see the Christian life is like this. It's not pretty, is it? It's not cute. It's not easy. I know we put on our Christian talk, our Christian clothes, but I know many of us are struggling with real sins, real difficulties, real issues, real problems. That's what Christianity is about. This is warfare we're in. This is not, the, this is not an easy battle. This is warfare. And yet, God is merciful. Lot was rescued by the skin of his teeth. By the skin of his teeth. I think someone said that the way to heaven is sometimes you have to go through hell, through the difficulty and the wrath, through the difficulty of hell, because we are almost sometimes seem like we're on the precipice, going back and forth. And it's only by God's sovereign grace and his mercy that he saves us. Our journey is not easy. And this is why God tells us not to live 
in Sodom. Lot had all those years to leave Sodom, but he didn't. He was vexed. It bothered his speech, but he didn't leave. God warns us not to be in Sodom, but to stay close to him. Amen. Lord, we thank you for the example of Lot and the example of Sodom and Gomorrah. Lord, help us to learn from these examples. Help us to apply it to our lives. Help us to walk with you. Be merciful to us. Be gracious to us. Help us to stay on our knees, praying always that we enter not to temptation, that we might follow you and serve you. In Jesus' name, amen.